Hey everyone, welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and today I have a very special guest who has been on before. His name is Vince Mezzo, and I'm going to tell you about him in a minute. But Vince and I, we are going to talk about Indian clubs and why you should swing Indian clubs. They are really one of the most unique oldest forms of training the mind and the body, and they've actually stood the test of time. So they're used by athletes, everyday fitness warriors, and they're used in rehab settings. And so they're great for overall shoulder function. They're great for breath and posture. They're as much about mindful movement as they are corrective movement. So Vince is the director of fitness education for New York Sports Club, and he's also a licensed massage therapist. Vince does a lot of work with Indian clubs, kettlebells, juggling, and lots of functional, uh, all types of functional fitness. So Vince, let's bring you on and let you introduce yourself. Hi, Angie. Nice to see you. It's good to see you too. So Vince, you know, you were on a little bit ago, you and I talked about kettlebells mm -hmm. and I thought that was a great segment because we both love kettlebells. And, um, but I wonder, could you just give us a recap of your industry experience and how that tied into you wanting to get involved in swinging Indian clubs? Absolutely, Angie. So I grew up wanting to run away and join the circus. My parents were very involved in the arts, uh, as well as my paternal grandfather was an artist. And instead of growing up playing sports, I grew up around theater and around shows and around the circus. My father was with a show called the Royal Lippets on Stallion Show, and we would travel around the country with him in a VW van during the summers, and we would play all the same arenas that Ringling Brothers played. My main heroes when I was growing up were Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly. And around my 20s, late 20s, I was sick of doing construction work to make a living. In my acrobatics class, I had met somebody who was a personal trainer and a massage therapist and i thought hey this would be a really good career path i didn't realize that people could make money working with the body in that way so i went back to nyu got a master's degree in exercise physiology and fitness management and i went to massage school i started working first in corporate fitness then i worked at sports training institute i got into education and that's basically how I've ended up here. All right. Fantastic. So I know you love to juggle and I know you love to swing kettlebells and um, just kind of wondering what, what got you started in the Indian clubs? I'll tell you what got me started is I mm -hmm. met a gentleman that you and I both know who is mm -hmm. Ed Thomas, Dr. Ed Thomas. He and I both taught in Northern Illinois University. And we followed very much the same trajectory. <clears throat> excuse me, but literally decades later. So I met Ed Thomas and he's like 35 years ago, I used to teach stress management at, at Northern Illinois University. And I'm like, well, 35 years later, I taught that class. <laughs> and then he introduced me to the Indian clubs and uh, had me work with them. And so curious what got you started on Indian clubs. So similarly, Ed Thomas and the old company Motion RX were the mm. first place that I purchased Indian clubs from. I, I had always been interested in acrobatics and circus, as I said, 
and I took a circus class when I was in college and we learned basic juggling. Then as I got into kettlebells, I became much more interested in physical culture and the types of things that people were doing back in the late 1800s, early 1900s for exercise. Of course, one of the main things that came up was Indian clubs. Spalding used to make Indian clubs. And I did a bit of internet research, you know, where can I find out how to use these? Where can I purchase these? I got into some bidding wars on eBay for some nice old Spalding clubs and probably paid way too much money, although they are really nice. And then I found Ed Thomas on either Perform Better or Power Systems. Mm -hmm. I got a set of clubs. I got two sets of clubs. I got his DVD. And then as I started to teach Indian club exercise classes, I ended up working with Ed and his brother and sort of buying the end of their stock before yeah. they turned it over <laughs> to uh, the FMS people. Yeah, I bought I bought a bunch of their stock too. And you mm. know what's funny is Indian clubs go back so far that if you go to say the Biltmore, I don't know if anybody's ever been to the Biltmore, which is in North Carolina, you'll go down to their old fitness room and you'll see Indian clubs in there. Um, so speaking of that, because they do have such a rich history, can you give us a, a down and dirty version of the rich history of Indian clubs? Because I'm not sure, you know, they stood the test of modern time, but I'm not sure people realize how far they go back. Absolutely. So they come from the East Indian tradition of gaja and jury clubs and things like that. And when the British occupied India, the British soldiers saw the Indian people exercising and swinging with these clubs. And they thought, hey, this would probably be really good for swords and how we're fighting and training the military. So they brought them over to England. They incorporated them into English gymnastics or English physical culture. Then they came over here and there were a lot of proponents of Indian clubs, lots of books written. Spalding had books as well as manufactured a whole big set of Indian clubs in lots of different weights. And they were really part of structured physical education here in the US in the early part of the 1900s. And they were even an Olympic event for a little while, for one or two years. Huh. Well, you know, it's interesting too, because if you get on YouTube, you can see some of those old videos of old physical education or, you know, physical culture when it was very, um, almost like being an army boot camp where it was very mm -hmm. regimented and almost choreographed, if you will. And so um, it's, it's, it's very fascinating to watch some of those videos and see the history of that. But thank you for giving us that, because I think that's important to lend context to what Indian clubs really are. And speaking of that, I want to reintroduce you. I'm speaking to Vince Mezzo. He's the director of fitness education for New York Sports Club. He's also a licensed massage therapist, and we are talking about Indian clubs and why they are such a great tool for shoulder functioning and good posture and breath. And speaking of that, Vince, that's something I want to talk to you about is how did this old training tool that is still around apply as much as it did then, if not more, to today's traditional client? Absolutely. So 
when I started getting into Indian clubs, I was talking to a friend of mine who actually came to a presentation I did, which incorporated Indian clubs. And he had gone to Clown College. So Clown Co College is the old Ringling College. Uh, and they had clowning and other types of things there. It no longer exists, but he was like, oh, I know Indian clubs. That was juggling 101. So before you learn to juggle three pins, the circus tradition was still learning how to juggle or swing Indian clubs. And there's something to be said for that. Basically, it's choreographed movement. And I think that especially when we talk about function, we have to start talking about skill. And so any type of skill-based movement, whether it's dance, martial arts, gymnastics, all of these things access our brain in a different way. And everybody wants to talk about the mind-body connection, but in more traditional standard fitness settings, it's either the mind or the body. Right. Some practices, favor the mind, other practices favor the body, but there isn't a lot of skill-based training in the traditional fitness industry. And so Indian clubs are a great way to combine those two things because they are a skill-based movement, they're an external resistance, there's object manipulation skills that you're doing as well as rhythmic movement skills. So it really becomes a a bridge for the average exerciser to be able to express the fitness that they've gained in the world as they manipulate objects in a skillful way. Well, and I think that that's important because I think you're right. It's, it's like mental health and fitness. There's it's, it's, we either talk about a healthy mind or we talk about a healthy body, but how do we bridge the two? And you and I talked about how kettlebells are a great way to do that, but so are Indian clubs because Indian clubs, as you mentioned, are skill-based. So there's a real nuance to being able to manipulate an object and keep rhythm. And it takes, it takes a lot of skill. It takes mental and physical skill. So um, if you had to tell today's trainer, you know, if what would be the top three reasons you would want to, or the top greatest benefits to your clients, I would say, you know, skill and choreography, kind of what you just talked about training the brain mm -hmm. and the body, what would be another reason why they might want to use Indian clubs with their clients? So you know, with anything, we can approach it from or through many different lenses. So if we look at it through a biomechanical lens, the range of motion at the shoulder, the centrifugal force that happens when you swing the Indian club can be very useful for shoulder mobility. Mm -hmm. And then as we start to mobilize the shoulder joint and the shoulder girdle and the thoracic spine, then that's going to start to speak to breathing. Then as we start to speak to breathing and the movements crossing the midline, that can also create a sense of calm and be really great either for warm up or for cool down or unloading days. So it really depends. Do we want to look at it from a biomechanical perspective? Do we want to look at it from a posture breathing perspective? Do we want to look at it from a neurological mindfulness? 
mindfulness perspective, it really can hit all three of those uh, aspects and create a little Venn diagram with Indian clubs right in the middle there. So let's stay with those three, but let's let's target the um, neurological, the mind body aspect, the calming, because I think of Indian clubs almost like Tai Chi. It is truly a mindful movement where you truly can calm your nervous system. And in today's world, you know, especially within the NASM um, framework, we are really, really talking about wellness because we really want to help fitness pros to understand that a healthy mind and a healthy body go together. And so uh, from a wellness perspective, I think Indian clubs are a perfect fit. Like you said, they're a great warm up or a great cool down. They're great for calming the mind. They're very rhythmic. You know, when Ed was first teaching me, that was his biggest issue with me was getting me to slow down. <laughs> I, I can imagine that, Angie. <laughs> Poor Ed. That doesn't he surprise just, me. Yeah, he's like, really, Angie? No, slow down. So, um, so yeah. So from the you know the shoulder mobility, you can do the biomechanical aspect, you can do the neurological aspect. So, and I I like that. I think that you're right. This little Venn diagram with uh with the Indian clubs in the middle. Tell me a little bit more about the cognitive benefits, the crossing the midline, the coordinated movement, the juggling. Tell me a little bit more about that because I think so, that's interesting to everyone. Absolutely. So interestingly, there isn't a lot of research on Indian clubs in particular, yeah. but there is a lot of research on juggling in general, uh, juggling balls, juggling pins, mainly juggling balls and sandbags. But whenever we do skilled movements that starts to create brain plasticity and that brain plasticity can help us with higher cognitive function whether it's concentration or being better at math problems things like that decision making so the indian clubs certainly because of their the skill-based component the concentration component that's going to lead to synaptogenesis and brain plasticity. The other aspect of it, though, speaks to crossing the midline and stimulating the brain stem. So when we look at the old PNF patterns and we look at the cross crawl kind of pattern and we look at a lot of work that they're doing with brain gym, when we cross the midline, it stimulates the brain stem and the brain stem is both part of that reptilian brain and also higher parts of it, part of the limbic system and the emotional brain. And so they've found a lot of interesting connections between doing cross-body movements with, for example, people who have PTSD and helping them stay calm, helping them deal with those stress-related issues. So it makes sense that the Indian clubs, because they're crossing the midline, stimulating the brainstem, can help in that same way. And the other aspect of that and the synaptogenesis has to do with when we swing Indian clubs and we you know, do the harder movements and get better at it, we're doing asymmetrical bilateral coordination. So instead of symmetrical bilateral coordination where both limbs are doing the same thing, we have the two limbs doing opposite things. And that's 
one of the things that we see, especially in juggling, that is really leading to that neuroplasticity and helping to develop areas of the brain. You know what? Um, so the two limbs doing different things, that is such, uh, you know, we're going to talk at the end of where um, our listeners can go to kind of watch this in action. I don't want them to watch me in action because my two limbs doing the same thing is almost, you know, sometimes wonderful and sometimes tragic. And that is the beauty of it is that I don't think you ever get too good at Indian clubs. But I want to reintroduce you. I'm talking to Vince Mezzo, and he is the director of fitness education at New York Sports Club, and he is also a licensed massage therapist. We're talking about Indian clubs because Vince and I both have a passion for things that you swing around, apparently. No? Mm-hmm. Kettlebells, Indian clubs, and um, and I, I do love that. The whole, you know, one arm is doing one thing, the other arm is doing another thing. If you think you can't walk, talk, and chew gum try to get your clubs to swing in unique ways. So I'm glad that you mentioned that Vince. So, um, you know, speaking of that, when you think about swinging those clubs, there's a big difference between say like the clubs that I have that I got from Ed and his brother, which I think are like one pound, one and a half pound pound and two pound clubs. And then they had a, a three and a half pound metal club for a while also. Right. So what do you think the biggest difference would be between swinging light clubs and heavy clubs? Tell, you know, kind of visit that. With anything, when you get the, when you're doing a heavier weight, when it's more intense in that way, then the movement patterns need to be similar. So for example, swinging gaja or steel maces or jury clubs, which can weigh up to 20 pounds or more, you do very simple circular kind of rhythmic movements. When you're using lighter clubs, then that really allows you to explore the asymmetrical bilateral coordination and get into the more complex types of choreography and overload the nervous system that way with complexity as opposed to overloading it with weight, which absolutely will stimulate the nervous system too, more motor units, lighting up more part of the motor cortex, but you get a different type of stimulation when you're doing things that are lighter with a coordinated type of approach. Right. Well, and really what I hear you say is you don't want to compromise form and function by if you've got heavier clubs, you really just need to keep the movement pattern simple because your goal is more strength. But if you're using a lighter club, now you can work on skill and that type of thing. So exactly. um, And there's some things the goal shouldn't be to do these really complex patterns with a heavy club. It's really sort of two different aspects of what you're doing with the club. Do the simple movements with heavier clubs, do the more complex movements with relatively lighter clubs. Right. So, you know, I think one of the other benefits, Vince, of of using Indian clubs is is really they can be used beautifully in small group training. They can be be used in one-on-one. They can be used in large group training. I think there's a lot of application of Indian clubs. Um, Using them in large groups is actually very similar to how they started, right? With the physical culture and large groups. Absolutely. Um, On my website and on a lot of the social media channels I have for Indian Clubs 101, I've curated a number of those older videos. And you can see the British Navy using them. You can see them at 
various uh, pomp and circumstance kind of military events. You can see them being used in classrooms in the early 1900s. And it's really amazing, you know, how skillfully people moved back then and how much we've devolved when it comes mm -hmm. to uh, that type of skillful movement. And, you know, as what President Kennedy was talking about back in the 60s, you know, we've become a nation of spectators. And Indian clubs are a great way to get people back into structured physical culture and really understand purposeful, goal-directed, skillful movement, which is so much missing in our society. If you're an athlete, you get attention. If you're not an athlete, you don't. But as sports and games are not the only reason to be physical. There's so many other reasons to be physical. And ironically, or not ironically, probably purposefully, you know, the name of your podcast is very similar to perhaps based on the motto of the physical culture movement, which was mens sana and corpus sano, which means a sound mind in a mm -hmm. sound body. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the thing is, is that I couldn't agree with you more. I feel like we have devolved so much. I feel like in an effort to make fitness, um, quote, doable for everybody or to invite everybody into the fitness floor, we've gone into a lot of just repetitive um old school style, uh, almost calisthenics, but nothing that involves patterns or uh, rhythmic movement. And, and I think that that is why um, even the bringing bar training back and dance, that's why it stays popular because creating patterns and developing something as a community together in one room is, is actually really fun. And it's very inspiring and it keeps your brain active the whole time. So speaking of that, Vince, where can they learn about Indian clubs? I know I don't have anything on my site. So um, where can they learn about Indian clubs? So if you go to Kinesiology Institute for Performance Specialist or kipsonline.org, there is a NASM approved continuing ed class, Indian Clubs 101, where you learn how to teach the basics of Indian club swinging. Also on the website and on the social media channels, Indian Clubs 101, I have lots of complimentary information on Indian clubs. So you can go to the YouTube channel, you can go to Facebook, Instagram, Indian clubs 101, or the website indianclubs101.com. And there's lots of information there. Okay, perfect. Well, you know what, Vince, thank you so much for coming back on. I'm really glad that we got to talk about two of our favorite ways of training, really share some good insight with the trainers out there, whether you're a group fitness instructor or a personal trainer, we really appreciate our NASM and APA community. I appreciate you, Vince Mezzo. I hope that you get people reaching out and asking you about Indian clubs. So thanks so much to all of you for listening, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Mm -hmm.